New York, your station for news as it happens. I'll be back with another 15 minutes of news at 11 o'clock, and here's Gene Shepard. Guest uh, Apple dog food commercial, maybe? Or... I see. And he laughs at somebody's joke in the audience? <laughs> Would you please, Art, please? I feel an overwhelming urge to irritate them to beyond the, almost beyond the point of non bearing. Bring it on the Come on, all together now. Let's go, gang. Got a bear, Mr. Train. Come on, hard big bear, Mr. Train. And now he's walking. Don't be gentle about it. Bear, Mr. Train. Oh, the bear, Mr. Train. Oh, the bear, Mr. Train. And now he's walking. He's walking. Oh, the bear missed the train. The bear missed the train. The bear missed the train. And now he's walking. All together now. Reset that there, please, Arthur, would you? <laughs> yes, you reset that here. Here, we're all set now. Well, now, look, we have a, a little note here. Uh, I have to approach this uh, somewhat uh, somewhat uh, tenderly here. We have a little note here. It says, uh, Shepard, it says, uh, Did you see the piece in the New York Times? 
about this guy that tried all the dog foods. Yes, I agree. I, I'll read this note. He says, Shepard, he says, uh, animal cuckoos are getting really out of hand. He says, in fact, in New York, animal cuckoos are getting totally hairy. They're beginning to confuse dogs with people, which is true. I mean, uh, in New York, uh, I know more than one uh, marriage that's broken up over a dog. Seriously. And uh, did you see the piece in the Times about uh, this guy that tried? To, he's the food editor, incidentally, of the Times. And he tried all the various dog foods to see how they tasted. Uh, did you see that piece? Did, you did? Did you read his criticism? He even gave them stars. Now, for those of you... <laughs> I mean, there's something really completely nutty about that. Now, now I hate to tell you, Mr... Uh, uh, Sokolov, who is the uh, food editor of the Times, who tasted all these various uh, dog foods. Dogs have different tastes than people. In other words, it is a well-known established fact that what tastes good to a dog tastes totally rotten to a person. Now, I personally know one dog that is completely ape uh, for very, very elderly dead fish, which he rolls in first. He rolls on them, see? He digs them up, rolls on them, and then eats them. Now, I, and he thinks they're great. Now, I am not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not about to, to make any value judgments on dogs, because you see, a dog is a dog. And that he tends to have different tastes than people. Uh, for example, uh, here are, here's the human critic, and here, here are his, uh, his, uh, the stars that he's given various types of uh, dog food, for those of you who don't, haven't followed the times. We'll tell you what he's done. For example, milk bone biscuit. Now, you've seen milk bone biscuit on the shelves. This gets a three-star rating, which is damn high rating. I know certain restaurants in town that uh, no way could they get three-star ratings. But milk bone biscuit hits a three-star rating. And here is what their, their uh, criticism says. It says, it could replace rye crisp with a little salt and butter. <laughs> well... Uh, how about uh, this dog food called Prime Chicken? Prime, chicken flavored. You've seen Prime. Well, that's a two-star. It says, no chicken taste, moist, sweet cubes like yellow cake. Well, uh, that's that's a pretty harsh uh, definition and analysis of the Prime Chicken flavored. Uh, I, and actually, among dog foods, that's not a bad tasting one. But by human standards, medallion beef flavored chunks, two stars, says texture like a cake. Strong meat flavor. Well, that doesn't sound bad. I've gone to restaurants for years and ordered steaks and didn't get a strong meat flavor. I have no idea what they make them out of, those steaks, but it ain't meat. In fact, I know one, one restaurant in town that's very expensive. All the expense account guys go there. You know, that's a special world anyway. And uh, <laughs> I swear, they, they are, they're the first to, to experiment with the new plastic steaks. Uh, they don't taste like steaks. In fact, uh, they realize that most expensive account guys drink their lunch anyway. The steak is merely symbolic. It arrives, and uh, after <laughs> after after nine martinis and before seven brandies, the steak is just a thing. You know, you poke it for a while, and then they take it away. I suspect they use it over and over again. They take it back in the kitchen, wash it, pour more gravy on it, and it's ready to be served. A Purina dog chow. Now, I, I don't know how he figures this one. One star, Purina dog chow. He says, stale biscuit texture. Well, actually, dogs tend to like that crunchy texture, Mr. Sokolov. Uh, 
In fact, dogs tend to go ape over that crunchy flavor. Uh, have you ever seen a dog eat a five-year-old bone that he's dragged up out of the yard and eat it with great gusto? Now, that is a stale bone. Something about the taste of stale, crunchy stuff appeals to particularly dachshunds. Stale biscuit texture, but subtle meat flavor. And appreciably dry when moistened, not appreciably dry when moistened. Now, I can't figure that statement out. That is a typical non sequitur of the times. What the hell is dry when it's moistened, Mr. Sokolov? I asked you that question again. Do you hear what he says? <laughs> not appreciably dry when moistened. That is a non sequitur. <laughs> That's like saying Fred came in out of the rain, somewhat wet. Or Fred found it difficult to keep dry while swimming. Yes, uh, that, uh, that, that follows. But nevertheless, I'll tell you about Purina dog chow. Uh, every dog I've ever seen gets around that. He goes uh, totally uh, ape over it. Uh, what it is in it, I don't know. Apparently it doesn't appeal to Mr. Sokolov. But then again, on the other hand, now let's put it on the other foot, Mr. Sokolov. Have you ever given uh, food which is appreciated by human beings to dogs? Uh, for example, I have not yet known a dog that enjoys pickles. Now, I'm serious. Have you ever tried to give a dog a pickle? He just, you know, kind of looks at it, walks away. And yet I know many pickle cuckoos, uh, you know, human types who enjoy uh, pickles. On the other hand, I, I do know certain dogs who enjoy lettuce, which, uh, <laughs> don't ask me, I don't. Uh, by the way, Laddie Boy Lamb Chunks uh, gets one star. And uh, here's the, uh, the capsule uh, description of it. It says, best odor of all moist foods, but no taste. Gooey texture. Well, that's uh, possibly true. Top choice chopped burger gets no stars at all. It says tasteless, rubbery, drastically red color, and pasty in the mouth. Eh. A Gaines meal, uh, like concretized sawdust. That's unkind. Elpo horse meat chunks. Awful looking, smells like stew, tasted foul. Well, dogs tend to like stuff that is awful looking and smells foul. <laughs> You know, I wish they were different. <laughs> Here's one that's totally unrated. They won't even talk about this one. It's called Daily All-Breed Liver Flavor. Daily All-Breed. Strong, mysterious odor. Couldn't get it down. Well, <laughs> that describes certain restaurants I've eaten in. Strong, mysterious odor. Can't get it down. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I'd have to salute Mr. Sokolov, but he he, uh, he represents a New York attitude where this is only in New York would this happen in a time of gradual uh, expanding nuttiness. In fact, we're, we're going through a time now uh, the very similar to the days of the French Revolution. Did you know that during the French Revolution, uh, they, they got so ape over animals, you know. We, we now see the results of it, you know, with the French poodle, you know, a little poodle that wears dresses and all that stuff, that, uh, that the, during the days of the French Revolution, it was quite common for people to include and give the dog legally their last name and to include the dog in all family wills, family codicils, uh, you know, arguments, discussions, and the dog had more to say about what happened in the house than the old man, often. Because usually his voice was louder and he bit harder. But uh, the, <laughs> the facts of the matter are that the French Revolution, the French went through this too. 
this whole thing with animals. So maybe it's significant. Here, here in the, only in New York, though. Have you seen some of those commercials? Did you see the commercial where the guy comes into his house and he says, I'm home, gang. And you can tell, you know, he's a certain type. Anyway, he comes in, he says, I'm home, gang. Oh, hey, we're going to have such a wonderful meal. And he comes in with all these packages. Oh, my God. And out of the, out of the uh, next room come three cats. He says, oh, daddy's home. Oh. Uh, may I paraphrase Dorothy Parker? It makes you want to flow up. Uh, but uh, that's a, that's in New York. <laughs> New York attitude. And it's a very common one. You know, uh, although let's not put this down entirely, uh, I had a friend, and this, this little story may uh, may you know be a little sickening to you but i'm i'm just going to tell it to you because it's a true story this uh, friend of mine was going to uh, a certain school out in the midwest see and for purposes of argument we'll call it indiana right uh, there, there is there a school called indiana university is there really oh there is i see by george where is it huh <laughs> it's amazing how seriously people take your, your your lines when you read them deadpan. You know, that's like like standing out on a stage and saying, uh, let's invent a college for the purpose. Let's see, uh, how about uh, uh, Yale? Uh, we'll name it after Locke. Uh, you know, let's pick somebody. Is there, is there a Yale? And what's in, yes, there is. They raise their hand. Yes, yes, don't. Stop. There is a Yale. <laughs> well, nevertheless, let's just say that this guy was going to Indiana, see, and... Uh, he decided uh, over the over this winter that he was going to uh, he was going to make the scene big, you know. And uh, by the way, friends, uh, before we go any further, if you want to make the scene big and uh, you want to really you know lay it on some chick, uh, some that we'd like to suggest that you take her to the House of Chan, you know, before you go to the elegant theater date that you're going to see. You're going to go to some you know big. There's some big. Uh, by the way, speaking of elegant theater dates, the other day I'm walking along Times Square, see, and they got all these porny houses, you know, all these porny movies. And what do you think's happening on this night? There's about 500 of them out there standing in front of this porny place that says, "Tonight, it's a sneak preview. Stars here tonight in person." And uh, <laughs> I just, you know, there was a kind of an elegant. Uh, Rococo quality that, and I say this: if your if your civilization is going to decay, it might as well do it in style. Do you agree? I mean, we might as well go downhill with, with all bells ringing. I mean, there's no sense just schlumping off stage of history. Let's go out with all the all the Roman candles flying. But the, if you're going to attend some elegant preview of that type some night, we'd like to suggest that before you go to the preview, if you're a lucky New Yorker, you just drop into uh, the House of Chan. Uh, it's at 52nd and 7th Avenue. And you just tell them that you're going to make a curtain tonight. You know, you, I like it, the stars are going to be there in person. You want to be there on time to see them all come in, get an autograph and all that stuff. Well, you try this magnificent Chinese food. It's inscrutably delicious. Always a unique, exciting dining experience. And uh, it's 7th Avenue at 52nd Street. It's one of the great ideas of Eastern man. It's uh, <laughs> the House of Chan. Now, let's see. We have another little... Uh, thingy here. It's uh, speaking one of the great ideas of Western man. This is WOR, New York. I mean, we're just an idea. Let's face it. Uh, just a just a great concept. I mean, the whole idea. Here you're sitting out there listening to us, see? And as it occurred to you, it's all in your head that all we are is a bunch of little electronic radio waves coming at you. It's, you, it's not tangible. 
It's just a great, magnificent idea. W.R., isn't it, gang? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, well, I mean, no, 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 no. I, 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 I don't want this to sound chauvinistic. Not at all. Uh, after all, when you're standing in front of the pyramid and you say, wow, is that big? Now, is that a chauvinistic remark if you're, if you're uh, say, an Egyptian, you know, of the 12th dynasty? No, you're stating a fact. It's just a fantastic idea of Western man. And uh, let's see, we have a couple of other dinghies here. <laughs> yes, yes. Surprise, we have a general tire spot here. I knew you'd be surprised. Get set for the rugged winter driving ahead during uh, pick-a-pair time at your local general tire headquarters. You take your pick. Winter tires start as low as thirty-seven ninety a pair, and regular tires start as low as thirty-five ninety a pair. Now these are very complicated figures to be listening to at this time of night, and I will not burden your head with all these complex differential equations about how you know a federal excise tax is multiplied by two, subtract three, and add twelve percent, and then subtract another three percent if you buy it from a qualified dealer outside of Westchester County. So we won't burden you with all that stuff. You just go to your general tire dealer, and let's see. Uh, in Paramus, see Larry Levi at Stern Brothers Auto Service Center in uh, Bergen Mall. It's an elegant place there. You can tell them by the ballpoint fringe in the window. Anyway, this friend of mine was going to Indiana, see? Now, you, you've gone down in the village, and you've seen, uh, you know, you've seen the the, uh, the hippie panhandler. You know, it's a whole big thing in New York, you know. This guy coming up, he's six feet nine, weighs 270 pounds. You know, he's got a daddy living out in Darien who uh, is keeping him in guitar strings and all this stuff, seen. And the, he comes up to you and he says, hey, you got any change? Well, uh, some are successful and some are not. Uh, you tend to lump them together, right? Well, this is a very, you know, this is a bad thing to do because you cannot lump people together any more than you can lump, say, Kodiak bears together. I mean, you can't make any rash statement. By the way, a friend of mine, uh, he, he put together a TV show that starred a bear, you know. You remember Gentle Ben? Well, the day that Gentle Ben previewed, I mean, you know, the first day they came on television, you remember it on TV? first day it came on, that was the day that this bear got loose in, uh, in uh, Yellowstone Park and ate three people. He says it changed everybody's attitude. <laughs> Gentle Ben. <laughs> he says, oh, he says, he says uh, that would never happen, he said, if it was Rune Arledge that produced it. He said, never would happen to him. But you've got you to gotta pick it up as it comes. You know, you can't uh, push your luck. And so this friend of mine, over the, over the winter, see, he decided he was going to be a hippie. And, uh, and uh, he found out a, very, a terrible reality about the hippie world. Some are cut out for it and others not. Right, Art? I mean, some could cut it and the others just sort of stand around and look like bums. You know, they don't quite... It's a matter of style. It's like everything else. A guy can go down... Believe me, a guy can go down to Abercrombie and Fitch and he can buy himself $12,000 worth of duck hunting suits. You know, he gets himself a fancy gun, the whole bit, you know, and he gets one of these little, one of these little duck hunting things, you know, that you blow into it and it goes quack, quack, quack. And he just don't look like a duck hunter. You know, he looks like a guy getting ready to go to a Halloween party. And uh, But there, are, <laughs> no way. You can't fake it. And even the ducks are not fooled. So a duck flying at 4,000 feet is not going to be shot by any fake duck hunter. 
You know, there's just no way. And so you, 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 you're either cut out for your role or you're not. No way. We, we've got at least three guys here in our sales department that are not salesmen. They, 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 they've got the right suits. They bought the right shirts. They holler the right things in the phone, you know, like, okay, see you at lunch. Yeah, we meet you over at the shop. They do all this stuff. No way. No way. No way. They, in fact, the other day, I got, I got in a cab. Now, you think that anybody that's doing a job is really that. You say cab drivers. Well, you assume that anybody's driving a cab is a cab driver. Well, I'm in this cab, see, and I said, uh, I told him where I wanted to go, see. And it's dead silence. We're riding along for a while. And uh, he says, uh, where'd you say you want to go? I told him again. I see, we're not going there. <laughs> I say, so we went another couple of blocks, and I says, hey, where are you going, Mac? He says, what, thought you want to go to 11th and 10th Street, right? I said, no, I said, I want to go to 10th Street and 7th Avenue. Oh, I thought you said you wanted to go to 11th Street and 10th Avenue. I said, no, I want to go to 11th Street and 7th Avenue. Oh, yeah, okay. So another four or five blocks, it looks like we're heading to Staten Island, you know, or Queens or someplace. Finally, he says, hey, where are you going, Mac? He says, well, I, I thought you wanted to go to, to, to 10th Street and 11th Avenue. I says, no, I said I want to go to 10th Street and 7th Avenue. And so the pregnant pause. And finally, I had to say it. I says, uh, don't you know the way to get there, Mac? He says, look, I can't tell you how I hate this damn cab driving. Well, you know, all of a sudden it was pouring into the back seat. All the drama, all the tragedy of modern life. Here was a man cast in a role that he should not have been in. And furthermore, he, he felt a great, uh, a great uh, resentment against society for casting him in this role. I says, well, what should you have been? I mean, you're a cab driver, right? you know. And all the while, the meter's going tick, 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 tick. You know, but already we passed three times the fare it would have cost had he been a cab driver. See, he's doing pretty good for a non-cab driver. <laughs> so then we finally get down to 10th Street and, uh, you know, on 11th, 10th Street and 7th Avenue. I had to drive the last nine blocks. And uh, we got down there. He said, gee, I want to thank you. He said, I, I can't tell you. You know, I'm, I'm not really a cab driver. I said, well, gee, that's uh, too bad. I'm... I don't know what to say. He says, oh, it's terrible. Of course, I tipped him twice over because of the tears. I walked two blocks away, and I realized he was the most adroit cab driver I ever met. This guy shucked me cleaner than a, than a, than a near a corn. I mean, he got $9 for a dollar and a half ride. You know? And I thought, oh, well, so you get taken in. But uh, nevertheless, I'd like to point out, friends, that uh, you can, you can, you can, you can say a role, but that doesn't mean you can pull it off. So this buddy of mine decided over the winter he's going to have the hip experience. He read about it in Life magazine. He's going to have the hip experience. And so summertime came, and he and his friend hitchhiked north. Now, Indiana's in the southern part of the state. They hitchhiked north. And he said, it was terrible. We get out on Route 41 there, see, and he says, we're hitchhiking like all the other guys. You know, we got a big sign. It just simply said, uh, Boston. You know, these signs. They were, he had a sign. We just wrote a sign. We wrote Chicago. See? <laughs> and he says, guys kept going by us. And they'd, they'd go down four blocks, and they'd pick up the guys that are behind us. And they were picking guys up ahead of us. He said, it took us about three days just to get out of town. 
And we were going, we were going north to Chicago by maybe two block jumps. He says, every three hours we'd get a ride for two blocks. He says, this would take us roughly till the middle of September, you know, to get to Chicago. He said, and what's worse, we kept going sideways. We are heading towards Ohio, gradually. <laughs> he says, we were terrible hitchhikers. He said, after about six weeks of hitchhiking, we finally got in a town called Michigan, Michigan City, which is very far right of Chicago. If you look at it in a map, see, it's about 400 miles to, well, actually, it's about 60 miles to the right of Chicago. So we decided what we were going to do is spend the summer in Michigan City being hippies. He said, there were other guys walking around, long hair, and they were smoking pot, doing a whole bit, you know, and they were walking around being very hip. He says, and me and Jaime fell in with the crowd. Shortly thereafter, he said, we discovered that being a hippie is not as easy as it looks. First of all, these guys are all walking around panhandling. He says, so we walk out, we stand in the streets, and got any change? It's nothing. Guys, just give us a bad look. So three weeks later, we are totally out of money. So what we began to live on is we had to do it. He says, what we began to live on, and this guy actually went through this experience. And Mr. Sokolov, I'm going to point this directly at you. Mr. Sokolov, are you listening? He says, one day, me and Jaime are down to about 60 cents. He says, and we are really hungry. And he says, you know what it is? It's embarrassment. He says, I could never get over being embarrassed walking up to a guy saying, you got any change? He says, we'd come through. And he says, and once you show embarrassment, the guy you're asking is embarrassed, and he turns his head and walks away. He says, we were not cutting it. So we walk into the A&P. Now, we had heard that the thing that the hippies do is to rip off stuff. You go in, you steal stuff, right, to eat. He says, but I couldn't get myself to do it. He says, I walk up to this, you know, this, this... this uh, counter full of all kinds of goodies. He says, and I, I, I reach over and he said, I couldn't do it. So he said, there was only one thing to do. Me and Jaime bought a can of, of Ann Page pork and beans. He said, which came in a great big can for only something like 26 cents. We went outside and we ate it. <laughs> it was our can of beans. And he said, we had no way to eat it. See, so we ate the can of beans. Now we are down to 40 cents. You got it, friends? He's, his money is going down. The next day, we went in, and we got another can of beans. He's a great big can. It's cheap. See, we got a big can. We ate that again. Well, now we're down to 20 cents. You couldn't even get a can of beans for 20 cents. So we're walking around the store to see what we could get for 20 cents that was enough for both of us. There was only one thing. Candle ration. We bought a can of cannel ration for 21 cents. <laughs> he said we had 24 cents. We bought a can of cannel ration, and we bought, it comes in different flavors, you know, beef, liver, chicken. He says we bought the beef flavor. So we took it out, and back of the sign where we were living, he says we were living in a vacant lot back of a sign, and we went back at the sign, and he said uh, we we. we we take this rock that we had been using to open our bean cans, and he says, pow, pow, we pound the top in, and we smell this kennel ration. I pass it over to Jaime. He smells it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> he says, I want to tell you, after you've been eating nothing but beans for three days, you'd be surprised, Mr. Sokolov, how, 
how delicious Kennel Ration beef-flavored chunks taste and smell. He says, well, what we did then, we, we built this fire, and we heated it in the can. And he said, the three of us, me, Jaime, he says, and another guy that was just sitting over there looking sad, we ate this can of Kennel Ration beef chunk flavor with the vegetable stews in it. He said, it was fantastic. You have no idea how that tasted. He said, well, from that time on, said, I knew, one, I was not, at no point was I a hippie. I had to go straight. The only way. He said, but since that time, he says, you know, every time I go into the store, no. He says, now I'm working, got a job. I walk around. He says, I go through the pet department, and there I see those cans of cannel ration. He says, I wonder what would happen if I brought a can of that home, just for old time's sake. Heated it up. Had a little bourbon with it, maybe. You know, a little martini before it. Maybe some frozen peas with it. And uh, he was thinking about that, see? Now, listen carefully now. The next step. You want to hear the next step of the story, Mr. Sokolov? This tasted so good to him that he got a very definite liking for kennel ration beef-flavored chunks. So one night, this was just about three months ago, he actually did it. He had a bunch of friends over. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what he did. He took a great big, beautiful Danish casserole dish. You know, the kind that's burnt orange, has the teakwood handles on it with a big cover on it with a bird on the top, you know. Beautiful teakwood. And he emptied six cans of kettle ration, beef chunk stew, into this thing. And he baked it. And he served it to his friends. And they loved it. A few martinis before dinner. A little stew, some Fritos, you know, a little rice on the side. And he was an instant success. An instant success. You don't have one, sir? We're the fourth grade from PS41, and we want to see the Red Baron of Lufthansa German Airlines. Is he real? Of course he's real. Only today the Red Baron is inspecting the Lufthansa kitchens in New York. In first class, the Red Baron has a menu just like you get in a fancy restaurant. And you can pick whatever you wish from the menu. I know. I have flown with the Red Baron. My father says Lufthansa is a German airline. And the Red Baron is on every plane to make sure everything goes just right. Not really. On every Lufthansa flight, there are nice stewardesses to serve you your food and drinks and help you to be comfortable. And also we have man stewards, too. They all can tell you places to see and things to do when you get to Germany. After all, nobody would know Germany better than us. That's why so many people fly to Germany on Lufthansa. Because the Red Baron tells them to. No, because they like Lufthansa. I ought to know. Oh, you're Mrs. Red Baron? Uh, why don't you just say we're good friends? <laughs> oh, wow. You know, there's a curious quality of necrophilia about that. <laughs> you know, there really was a Red Baron. That, that was not invented by Snoopy. Uh, and by the way, do you know that during his days, when, when the Red Baron was really working and doing what he did, which was uh, shoot down airplanes, uh, did you know he was not, he was very rarely called the Red Baron? What was he actually called? Hey, Jerry, what was he, do you know, Art, what was the Red Baron 
actually called during his days of, as, a, as a famous flyer. Do you have any idea? The, the term Red Baron was rarely applied to him. What was he actually called, historically? You know? Well, in fact, there was a famous book written about him that probably made him famous. I mean, it was, it was what made, made him... He was called the Red Knight. He was called the Red Knight of Germany. K-N-I-G-H-T. Uh, Baron... Uh, was rarely <laughs> was rarely applied to him, and you know what you know what the what his squadron, his squadron, which was a uh, a famous fighter squadron, uh, on the on the front there, the French German front, uh, what they called the English that they fought, they always referred to them as the Lords. Every time they shot a plane down, they said, "I got a Lord today." That was their term of uh, putting them down, you know. And so the term, the Red Knight of Germany, was also a tongue-in-cheek kind of put-down. But when I hear these spots, I think, you know, I wonder how many kids think that, that, that Snoopy invented the Red Baron. <laughs> you know, the Red Baron. Listen, uh, speaking of uh, great inventions of modern man, uh, we have a Kasha spot here. Kasha. Uh, yeah, well, what is a Kasha? According to this commercial, it's nutty-flavored little golden kernels of uh, roasted groats. Now that that uh, what is a growth? I mean, it's <laughs> a, uh, well, I don't know. In fact, there was a plane recently uh, hijacked. It said that there were some growths aboard that hijacked the plane, disgruntled over the uh, way they were being treated in their nation. They have their own country, you know. But the, nevertheless, Wolf's is big on protein. A pound of kasha has as much protein as over a half pound of beef. Now that's not to say that you prefer kasha to beef. But I suppose there are those that do. And uh, we have a Wolf's Kasha cookbook that we can send to you. And it's only sent to you if you're over 21 and are a qualified art student. It will be sent to you in plain brown wrapper. Of course, even your friends won't know that you're a Kasha cuckoo. So uh, ask for Wolf's. At, uh, you know, if you start mainlining Kasha, they, they'll really think you're a cuckoo. Let's see, what do we have here? Mama Leone? Mama Leone, that's a strange spot to follow a, a Kasha spot with. Hit it. Do you suppose there lives anywhere across this fabulous country a family that has never eaten at Mama Leone's? Maybe there is, and don't you feel sorry for them? Never heard the noise and laughter of our nightly crowd? Never saw their kids light up at the very color and excitement of our decor? Never saw our statues? Never saw our endless wine cellar? And not only that, they probably never saw a parade of food like Mama serves. Oh, sure, they've had Italian food before, but so what? They haven't had Mama's antipasto. They haven't had the cheeses and rich hot bread and the enormous desserts that Mama serves. And finally, they never, ever had main courses that everything else was built around. We seriously suggest if you have a pathetic friend who's never been to Mama Leone's, change his life. Make a reservation for him immediately and let him see what a great Italian restaurant can be like. Take him to Mama Leone's, where strong appetites are met and conquered. Mama Leone's, 239 West 48th Street, Judson 65151. Yeah. Mama Leone. Hey, you know, uh, that's a... Uh, I don't know what that... Uh, and why that reminded me of it. Have you noticed that every time you get... You can tell tourists by certain ways in New York. For one thing, every tourist I know in New York, whenever he goes to Italian restaurants, you can tell he's a tourist because he asks if he can have the bottle. You know, the one with the... Uh, with the wicker on it, he insists that he take that home. 
<laughs> and, and he also asks for menus. Uh, a tourist invariably is seen taking a menu home from a restaurant. What they do with these menus, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. These are these are all these are all New York tourist things. Uh, speaking of tourist things, the other day, uh, one of my favorite places in New York is to go down to the Dime Store on Forty Second Street. You ever go down to 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 the Woolworths on Forty Second Street? You know, or rather in on Times Square, not a, not on Forty Second. Oh, come on, Art! You go in there every day. Where uh, you're not fooling me at all. I know that's where you get that leatherette tie that you got that clips on. Come on. <laughs> but there's there's a whole there's a whole thing that goes on down there in the basement. And uh and I see I see tourists, see, uh who come from places like uh Indianapolis and you know, places like Columbus, Ohio, and they, they come into the to the uh the New York dime store and they walk around and and it's like they're in a foreign country. See, they walk around. They they say, look look at this, you know. And here they are. They're in a dime store, and it gives them a sense. I think a sense of security, because the dime store is the one thing that the Times Square has in uh, common with uh, the main street of Indianapolis. <laughs> you know that that same that same feeling. And they also go into the Howard Johnson over here on Times Square. Well, of course, it's been referred. You know, Howard Johnson has been referred to as the Bronx Embassy. Uh, so if you ever get lost anyway, you go to Howard Johnson. Maybe they'll straighten out your your tourist, uh, your uh, you know your your passport. But uh, nevertheless, when you fight your way through this this uh, New York scene, you you come to the realization that we are different from anybody else in the world. People who live in New York. Now why? Is this the center of the universe? Could this conceivably be the highest achievement that man will ever reach New York? Could it be? I mean, it's a scary thought. I mean, I wonder if somebody somewhere is writing another Bible. I mean, I'm sure the guy living in Babylon, I mean, the real Babylon, I'm not talking about Long Island, I mean, the guy, the guy living in real Babylon had no idea his town would be so famous. I mean, years later, they're still talking about Babylon and Gomorrah. Can you imagine a guy who's, who's working for the uh, Junior Chamber of Commerce of Gomorrah? I mean, during the big days of Gomorrah. I mean, could, could, I just wonder whether or not he had any concept that somebody was going to write it up and that one day Gomorrah would be a symbol, Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you know there is a town that, that Sodom still exists? The real Sodom. And I, I drove through it. It's on, it's on the shores of the Dead Sea. And there's a sign just says Sodom. What's home? It's a gas station. <laughs> That's right. There's a gas station there, believe it or not. And uh, there's a couple of guys, you know, selling keychains, souvenir of Sodom. You can, and, and if you go down the road a piece, you know, they'll, they'll show you where Gomorrah was. But uh, one day, New York will be a legend. And we're here in it, with the hanging gardens and all the rest of it. The hanging gardens of Babylon on the sea. AMC 73, Major New York, New Jersey, American Motors dealers are coming on strong. Coming on strong, coming on strong. Cause we've got the quality in the cars you want to buy. The protection of AMC. 
Subcompact with a standard six. The only car that wears Levi's. Blue denim look, orange stitching, copper buttons, even the Levi's tag. Now at a special price that really fits. AMC 73. Coming on strong. See your New York, New Jersey American Motors dealer now. There's an easy fix and meal that'll please your man. It's a good hearty meal that comes in a can. It's broadcast, broadcast corned beef hash. It's hearty and good. Oh, so good. We use real corned beef that's cooked just right for a hearty corned beef taste in every loving bite. A broadcast, broadcast corned beef hash. It's hearty and good. Oh, so good. Broadcast corned beef hash is made with select corned beef, diced Idaho potatoes, and just the right amount of spices to give it that special broadcast flavor. And for more hearty meals, pick up a can or two of broadcast chili and broadcast stew. So make today a broadcast day with corned beef hash the easy way. It's broadcast, broadcast corned beef hash. It's hearty and good. Oh, so good. Hearty and good. Oh, so good. Hearty and good. Yeah, if you'd like to add a little touch of elegance to your corned beef hash, uh, <laughs> we'd like to suggest that you... Uh, Pick up some uh, Alexis Lachine wines. It'll go so well with your corned beef hash and your kasha. Uh, the reds, the whites, and the rosés. They're poured into elegant bottles. And all you have to do is know that name. You know, you'll be known as uh, Fred, the wine expert in the fashionable Queens uh, because you serve uh, Alexis Lachine wines, the beautiful French wines. And uh, let's see, they're imported by Bass Charrington Vintners of New York. Would you please uh, sing, gentlemen, please? Alexis the Sheen, Alexis the Sheen. Alexis oh, that's elegant, I mean, after all. When you serve a meatloaf made out of corned beef hash, what else, you know? I mean, a little elegance there. And, uh, you know, when you, when you get, when you really start pushing the elegant scene, uh, I, I uh, one time, uh, <laughs> you know, speaking of elegance, Practically every night when I come down through through Sixth uh, Avenue and cut over through Times Square, I look around at the scene, and I and I feel the scene and smell it and listen to the sounds. And I think to myself, you know, there will be a time. It's hard for us to ever really seriously consider this, but there will be a time when all of this, the whole thing, will be over. It'll be gone, done forever. There will be a time. Like a thousand years from now. Now it's hard at any time in history to believe that a thousand years will pass. I mean, it's difficult to understand that there will be a time when nobody who's alive, not one person who's alive today, there'll be no trace of them. There'll be maybe thousand, two thousand years. Can you imagine some archaeologist? digging up, let's say, a Rock Hudson movie, and they put it on the, uh, they put it on the projector, you know, they, 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 they have reconstructed an ancient projector, and they're sitting there watching this Rock Hudson Doris Day movie, and it's the only thing left of our civilization. 
That's it. It's the Rosetta Stone. Either that or can you imagine, can you imagine uh, the only thing that's left, you know, after all, the Rosetta Stone is just a little piece of stone. And they found it thousands of years after the civilization that made it departed. And the only thing that, that we have to decipher their civilization is that stone. You know, it's conceivable that a thousand years from now, the only thing they'll find will be a vault someplace that has four mint condition Lady Plumber commercials in it. The remains of an ancient ad agency. And the only way they can tell what our civilization was like, they can play these commercials where this lady's taking tea stains out of the sink. Now don't laugh, that may be a pretty good indication. Because you notice that the apartment in the Lady Plumber commercials looks a little like every apartment. Kind of crummy. They stand and look at this rotten old sink. And <laughs> <laughs> that would, you know, that would be a much closer. But then, you know, a thousand years, and who knows what they would think it is, some kind of a religious ceremony. Speaking of religion, this is WOR New York. Stay tuned for Lester Smith and the news.